the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Vocal Booth To Go, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of the VO Meter, measuring your voice over progress. We're very excited today. We have audiobook narrator Avon Shore, and uh, Paul's actually got a cool story about her. Can you tell us a little bit about our guest today, Paul? Yeah, Avon and I were featured in an ACX blog post about a year ago, along with Marty Young, Travis Baldry, Heather Masters, and Rich Miller, where they were talking about narrator tips on how to how to succeed in the world of audiobooks. So we each had a little bit of, of a featurette there where we talked about our studios and some hints and some uh, best practices that we use. And then shortly after that, Avon reached out to me about doing a project together on a dual narration. And that worked out really well. And then we did a, another dual narration after that, and then decided to tackle duet narration, which we talked about with Jeffrey Kafer and Heather Costa a few episodes ago. And that was the title I was working on then. And now, since then, we've done two more, I think. And it's been a great working relationship. There's been some, some technical issues trying to get it done, which maybe we can talk about. But it's been a great relationship. Avon's a fabulous talent, and I look forward to sharing all of her uh, tidbits in the interview portion coming up. That's so cool. I didn't realize she reached out to you about doing the, the dual narration. Yeah, go figure. Normally, I'm the one doing all the, the I know, right? You're the marketing <laughs> snob. That's awesome. Congratulations. So just for our listeners who haven't listened to that episode yet, can you go, quickly go over the difference between dual and duet narration? Sure. Dual is when there's alternating chapters, ordinarily, read by the different uh, gender corresponding to the character. So typically it's male-female. It could be male-male or female-female too, but it's two different narrators and you alternate chapters. So chapter one might be Mary and then the female narrator would read that part. Chapter two is from the point of view of Brad, let's say, and then I would read that. And you go usually back and forth, chapter by chapter. Sometimes it's not an equal split. I've done some books where the male part is very short and you just get paid for the, the per finished hour for however long your part is. But some, it's an equal split where it's every other chapter. And then duet narration where it's, is where it's very much like a live reading or a, a live performance where you're narrating all the parts that are either for your character or for all the characters of a certain gender live at the same time. So the best way to do this is in person in a studio where both actors are in the same spot, but because of logistics, and especially now because of the COVID-19 pandemic, you can also do it remotely where you use something like Source Connect or IPDTL or Pedalgo Call or even Zoom and record live, usually on both ends, but somebody records the master where they're recording both voices and we just read it live like we're doing a play. and. That's been a lot of fun because it really allows you to bounce ideas off of each other while you're reading and get that sort of in-person aspect that we miss a lot when we're doing our own solo narration in our tiny little boxes. 
Yeah, that's too cool. Any opportunity you have to work with another creative collaborator, whether it be another actor or a director, do it. <laughs> yeah, I've actually done this with auditions too, with some of our some of our friends. Uh, Heather Masters and I have done some auditions together, and Marisha Tapera and I have done some auditions together where we've actually submitted, where we share an agent. We've submitted the commercial or video game auditions to the agent as a duo. Hasn't actually worked oh, out. Oh, nice. But it is kind of fun to do. And I think I did one with Andrew as well, Andrew Bates. But it is fun, like you said. Any chance you get to bounce stuff off off one another is great. And in the case of audiobooks, it's like a double, a double instant proofreading because... Each person is listening to the other person read, and you go back and make corrections, punch and roll as you're going along. It makes the proofing much easier because with two sets of eyes and ears on every every line that you're reading, you're less likely to have many pickups. There's still a few, but drastically less if you're doing it by yourself. Cool. Two heads really are better than one. Sometimes, even if one is mine. <laughs> More of a handicap than an ass. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll have more from Avon coming up in the interview portion. But before that, we have our... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So what's going on in your VO world, Paul? Well, ironically enough, or not ironically enough, uh, not so secret aspect of this podcast is promote ourselves, but Avon and I have a book coming out. <laughs> Uh, it's sitting in QC right now with uh, ACX, and it's been there for almost a month. It's kind of annoying because they've been backed up like this for a long time. But we'll see, hopefully, in the next couple of days to week, it'll be pushed out. So look forward to that. And I'm working on another book right now that's about President Trump. And it's called... Oh, crazy. Yeah, it's called Trump, Tribalism, and the God Module. It's written by a, a Ph.D., named James Lottie, and it's really kind of cool. I picked it up on ACX, and because I was intrigued by the title, and because I think it'll probably be a good seller, because it's in the middle mm -hmm. of election season, but it's really fascinating, and, and it's not a it's not a pro-Trump or anti-Trump book at all. It's a treatise on tribalism in human society and how that affects what we do even today, going back all the way to when we were living in caves and clans, how that behavior of wanting to belong to a tribe and how that trumps, uh, pun intended, that trumps pretty much every other aspect of human behavior, how belonging to a tribe is the most important aspect of, of the way society works and how that's influencing current politics. So I'm fascinated by it. I'm about halfway through it now. And it's really fun to do because that sort of nonfiction uh, where you get to learn something while you're reading is really cool in my mind. Absolutely. And it's like, I'll have to check it out. It's something I'm really interested in, too. Anything then, else? Yeah, the other thing I'm working on right now is a remote recording with Twin Flame Studios. Oh, by the way, thanks to Rich Miller for recently featuring the founder and CEO of Twin Flame Studios, Tina Dietz, on his podcast, The Audiobook Speakeasy. And not just because Tina mentioned my name about eight times, but it did help. Um, Tina did a great <laughs> job, and it got a chance to have some more exposure to Twin Flame Studios. So I've talked about on the, on the podcast for a while. I've been doing work for them for just over a year as their production manager. And as we talked about before, one of the things I do is record authors and narrators remotely here in the studio. And I'm working now with an author out in Denver who has a book uh, about his relationship with he and his wife, who were both disabled, and how they came together and took on society and 
tried to educate people on the the ways to uh, interact and interface with people who are disabled. So that's a pretty interesting book as well. Awesome. Well, congrats on the newest projects. So that's pretty much it that's going on with me. Anything cool happening with you? Well, yeah, actually, I got a cartoon role. Woohoo! All right. Um, I'm, it's one of those things where it's like I can... Uh, I can say I'm in the cartoon, but that's about it. Like so, uh, I'm just really happy about it, and um, I, I just love the spec. It was one of those things where I just kind of quickly identified the character. It kind of reminded me of all the supervillains that I grew up with back in the day, and gave them something they liked. And here we are. I will say though. Um, it was really funny. I actually had to travel out to my girlfriend's house that day because our internet was down. And I was actually waffling on the idea of whether I should bring my mobile equipment with me, my mobile rig. And I was like, ah, just bring it. It's not that too difficult. You already got the porta booth in the car. And eh. so I just grabbed an Apogee mic and, uh, and went to my girlfriend's. And then, of course, um, I got a reminder to send in this audition because it was due at the end of the day. And then I was like, oh, crap. And so hurried and got it done in like 10, 15 minutes and actually sounded really good between the the Vomo or the um, uh, from vocal booth to go and that little Apogee mic and it's just kind of sitting in the corner of the booth it was actually really roomy just using the mic and my phone but um, but yeah they loved the audio quality and they hired me for it so moral of the story is always have the means of recording with you where, wherever you're doing like have a mobile rig have two because <laughs> you never know yeah and I actually heard that audition because I auditioned for it too. I'm not bitter at all. And you sent <laughs> you sent me your take. And hey, think, you got two books, man. You got yeah. there's plenty to go around. <laughs> so you sent me your take, and I think my first comment was, "Are you sure you can sustain that voice if you actually get this?" Are you sure this? you can maintain that? Yeah. Yeah, because it it was it's well done, of... but it, it did sound a little bit out of your your voice range. But how did you approach that? Yeah, it was a higher pitch character, um, and and I have a higher voice, but this was kind of like in. Like, it was all in the mask. Like, you, people who know me know I love doing Skeletor voices all the time. And that's kind of right here. And uh, But the new character was even higher than that. But it was kind of just scrunching everything in, in that into my sinuses kind of thing. So he was a little bit up here, but it's really not hurting anything. But so, um, so keep your ears peeled for a voice for a character who sounds kind of like that. And that's me. Yeah, well, congratulations. That's, uh, that's really cool. Thank you. Anything else going on you want to talk about? Uh, nope, just a crap ton of auditions. And uh, <laughs> uh, lots of auditions, and I've been catching up on watching some of our uh, evocation recordings, because those are supposed to be um, no longer accessible by the end of the day. So I watched about half yesterday, I'm going to watch the other half today, and then just let my brain explode with all of that wonderful information. Yeah, that's true. And hopefully, well, maybe not, if you haven't watched or listened to our episode from the Evocation Conference, the wrap-up, that will be out there uh, uh, forever, as far as I know. I haven't heard any reason why it shouldn't be. So listen to that for a recap. We don't have any live sound or video, but um, one of our fans actually put in the Evocation group that we did a great job of recapping the conference in the first couple of minutes. So thanks. appreciate that. Sweet. Thank you, anonymous person. Yeah, I should remember who it was, but, but I don't. <laughs> So that wraps up our VO meter reference levels. We'll get to our interview with Avon in just a moment. But before that, a quick word from some of our sponsors. 
Walgreens. Because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? Prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter Podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. We're pleased today to welcome Avon Shore. Avon has been narrating audiobooks since 2015 and recently passed 100 books narrated in 2020. She lives off-grid in rural Canada with a whole bunch of chickens and is also a beekeeper. Now, Avon and I first met, I guess, virtually a couple of months ago, maybe even a year ago now, when ACX did a feature on several narrators asking for tips and tricks. And Avon was included, Travis Baldry, Marnie Young, Heather Masters, and then for some reason, me. So after that... I said Rich Miller. Oh, Rich Miller, too. That's right. Can't forget Rich. And then shortly after that, Avon actually asked me to, to partner on a project, and I was... Super grateful to do that. And since then, we worked on three other books together, both duet and dual narration, and it's been a lot of fun. So once again, we're pleased to welcome Avon, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome, Avon. It's great to have you. Thanks, Sean. (laughs) Our pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with uh, VO and audiobooks? Um, Well, total coincidence, actually. I was uh, working in another job and working with a coworker and talking about an audiobook that I was listening to and talking about wanting to do it, like kind of always having wanted to do it. And she's like, oh, I have friends that do that. You need to look at acx.com. And I did. And I think a week later, I would have been narrating my first audiobook. Wow. (laughs) That quickly, huh? That's, That's pretty incredible. Oh, that day I had an account. Well, I mean, yeah. when did you get your first your first offer, though? Was it within that week? Uh, immediately, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was not so so lucky. I did at least six weeks before I got my initial offer, but I guess everyone has a different trajectory, so to speak. So what were some of your biggest challenges early on? 
Um, well, definitely ignorance. Um, <laughs> because I did, I did everything wrong. I, I made all the mistakes. I did all the things that we now know, or I now know, um, and it's common knowledge that you're not supposed to do those things, right? So um, you say, I got an offer right away. It was probably a trash book. I really don't remember. Um, <laughs> and but but I, I took lousy books at the beginning and I didn't know what I was doing with anything, really, really. Um, and, you know, at the time, 2015, the re resource base wasn't there in the same way that it is now. Like there's fewer excuses now for for not knowing how to go about it. Right. You, you know, there's so much out there like Karen's narrator's roadmap and stuff. So anyways, yeah. And some podcasts that are out there, not necessarily this one, but um, <laughs> we mentioned Rich Miller, his podcast, the audiobook speakeasy is a fantastic resource for people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's no shortage of coaching for business and performance for sure. So what were some uh, of those specific struggles? Because Sean and I, our whole podcast initially was talking about all the dumb things we did getting started, like <laughs> creating our own demos and reaching out to publishers or agents too quickly what are some of those specific things that that well if you can share if you want to go back in, in time and, and share some of those things oh geez well you know i started using audacity because it was free i didn't have i i had a crappy recording environment that's the number one thing that you know the do-over mm -hmm. number one thing is to get your environment right you know and then you get your technology right and then you get your performance right and then you start looking for audiobooks hopefully decent ones and you don't take everything you know which i did at the beginning i took anything and yeah all the mistakes i'm telling you um, but, you know, I'm here to also say that you can also recover from all those things, right? It's oh, not the God. end of the world. Um, <laughs> that I took the wrong path, but I got here eventually, Does, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think... To, to a place where I'm happy. And yeah, and I think most of, my, most, most of our listeners would agree I also took the extreme wrong path. I took a lot of books I probably shouldn't have because I actually have stated on this podcast that my goal was to get to 25 books as quickly as possible, come hell or high water, because at the time, I started around the same time you did, that was the magic number to get Audible approved status. And Oh, that's right. You're for right. some reason, I thought that would be something that would help me. And I, I took a lot of books I probably shouldn't have to get to that magic 25 number, and it worked. I did get the status. But since then, in the four years since, I, don't, I think maybe one person has mentioned it to me as a, as a hiring person, someone who's hiring for a book, a rights holder, and never has anyone else mentioned it. You, you know, something else that was going on at the time, um, I was doing that race as well, but because I was taking books so rapidly and fulfilling them so rapidly, I'm sure that that's why I got picked in the algorithm for the ACX University in 2015, which which was in real life in New Jersey, right? And the last one that was held in real life. So I got picked as potential narrator to go there, and I learned so much at that event. That was incredible. All those talks and everything are online now on ACX. Right. Mm -hmm. well, that's one positive. But, but that outcome. really helped me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, it helped me understand how much I didn't know, which was breathtaking. Awesome. Well, I, I'm fond of saying that the days of learn while you earn are long gone. But I, I do appreciate that 
I have the opposite problem. I feel like I I fall into that analysis paralysis where I don't act because things aren't perfect, you know. And and I want to discourage people from doing that, right? If this is something you want to do, even if you don't have all the pieces in place, you need to make some kind of forward progression, right? So just do something that moves you towards your goal, even if it's painfully slowly. You're right. You're on the opposite extreme and the sweet spot <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Yes. So, so you mentioned uh, getting your start with ACX, but how did you start to gain the notice of publishers and transition work towards that? Um, well, to be honest, I've barely made an effort towards publishers. Um, I did speed dating. Um, I've quietly joined all the rosters that are available or that I've been asked to join, which is great, you know, Harper and Simon and Schuster and stuff. But yeah, I've made barely any effort. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm mostly in, in the indie camp. I have I have lots of indie work, and I love the indie work. I've got a lot of control. I've got a lot of connection directly with the author. I've got multiple authors feeding me sequels, you know, multiple series. And to some degree, it's just that I've been so busy with all the indie work that I've had that I've been content with that I haven't carved out the time to make the effort to do that, contacting the publisher and that they say you need to do, right? So, um, well, let's pivot a yeah. bit. How did you gain the, the knowledge, or how did the indie publishers gain knowledge of your work in order to hire you? Oh, well, that I'm, yeah, I'm a cold contactor, and I also audition for just, or I used to, I haven't actually auditioned on ACX since last year. It's been a year um, since I've auditioned for something I wasn't asked or suggested that I do, but I used to audition for just everything, right? Throw everything. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, which, kind of which was me too. Right. I've discovered that I fit genres that I wasn't aware of by that method, like YA. You know, I love YA. And why he loves me too, it turns out. Uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't have predicted that, you know? Yeah, that's similar to my trajectory. I, I had no idea I would fit in the um, romance and erotica category. And it was just a random <laughs> audition that I did where it clicked, and that turned into a five-book series, and from there it was off to the races. So I guess there is something to be said for trying all things at least once. Mm-hmm. So you were featured in an article on the ACX website where you showcased your let's say, interesting studio location. Uh, can you tell us about where you record? Um, as, as was Paul featured on that, um, on that same blog post. Um, so yes, as pictured in the blog post, um, I have a, it's approximately four by four, a standalone structure that um, uncannily resembles an outhouse. And it was in the woods. So... <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I built it. My prior career is as a carpenter, so I was perfectly capable of building a double-walled studio. It has excellent noise floor. It had like minus 75 when I was out in the woods. But it looks like an outhouse, right? <laughs> and and Emily asked for the picture, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I was like, I'll send you a picture, but I really don't think... You're going to want to use this. And she's like, oh, my God, yours is the most interesting. Yeah, I, I like, think so. Oh, boy. Here. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 
But you've since either retired or sort of temporarily shut down that space, correct? Well, actually, I I took it apart outside um, because it was standalone outside. Um, I took it apart and rebuilt it inside my house. So the noise floor is only improved going moving it into a quiet house. Um, <laughs> the, the the commute was killing me, you know. The commute. <laughs> <laughs> How far was it? Because we mentioned that you you have a farm, or at least you you have chickens. So I'm assuming it's a farm. How far was the walk to the studio? Well, it's about a hundred yards. That's that's not insignificant, actually. <laughs> well, well, it, in fact, it caused friction, you know, because I would have to get everything ready, get my tea, and get my all my tack and all my things and mission out there, and yeah, that caused some enough friction that it's improved to have it right in my house that I just hop in and out, mm-hmm. which I do constantly. You have to bring like a dining cart out there, make sure you have everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had a checklist, right? But but you, so so that blog post um, did a couple things for me though, for sure. For for one thing, um, it, it gave me a lot of confidence because, my goodness, the the other people on that, the talent we were included among, right? Um, well, Marnie, yeah, the, the others, not me. <laughs> Marnie Young and Travis Baldry, and so so it really gave me a lot of confidence that I don't know how I don't know how I got included in there, but. Somehow I did. So, wow. And the other thing is that I stopped hiding that I live in the woods and that I have chickens. Um, I really live in the woods. I'm deep out here. And that is, that's something that I was completely hiding professionally, right? So I came out of I came out of the closet on that, right? Um, I'm not in the Came out of the water closet. So speaking of that that blog post, uh, I'm assuming that's how you found my information. And because sh- shortly after that, you reached out to me to work on a dual narration, and I'm so appreciative that you did. Because after that, we did a, another book, and then recently we started doing some duet narration together. So can you talk about how that experience has been and some of the challenges that are involved with it? Ah, uh, well, um, yeah. It seems like the industry is moving in that direction, right? That that's that's a demand, a desire on the part of the consumer. They want to hear, well, duet now. You know, it's a pretty rapid evolution um, that demand. Um, but the challenges, other than the technology required to work remotely together, uh, that was something we had to work out. Um, but other than that, I think the primary challenges are in post, the editing, uh, to, to, ma- to make the two voices match, to make the environment sound the same. Yeah, I would agree. And thankfully, we've worked with some great editors that have been able to make that happen pretty seamlessly. And so far, the reviews on the one that's published, the, only, the, the one duet is in QA right now with ACX, and that could take some time to get out. But the one that's been published has nine reviews so far, averaging like four and three-quarter stars, and people just seem to love it, like you said. And I'm seeing that more and more, that the audience likes it, and so do the authors and rights holders. Um, We've talked privately about how whenever I reach out to an author about this, they're sort of over the moon that it's even a possibility and just love the concept. So it makes it really nice from a marketing standpoint to land those jobs. We've done a couple of uh, romantica together, but I just did a sci-fi 
with John Perala. I saw that. Congratulations. Oh, um, it's it was so fun. It felt it felt really good. We did it on Discord, so we also had an audience um, with that that was listening to us perform, and the author was there, so it was just this really um, fun experience. But I would say that for people trying to do it remotely, probably the most important thing is that your recording environment matches each other. Um, back to the recording environment being one of the most important things. So. That's all. Yeah, and then have something, have the technology in place to make it work, whether using IPDTL, Source Connect, uh, Badalgo calls, even Skype or Discord, and then have a backup too, because yes. all those things will eventually fail at some point or another, <laughs> and you have to have a backup to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the other way you can do it, do it is both record into your own DAW and then match up the tracks later. Or a combination of both, as we found yes. out, doing both at the same time, with, using one as a failsafe is probably the best idea. Yes. Very cool. I feel like you guys have really pioneered uh, remote connection for audiobooks and kind of testing the waters and kind of doing stress tests on what you can actually accomplish with the tech. You know, I feel like we did because I've passed on the how sense to many other people, um, but... <laughs> What an hour at least an hour at the beginning just to make it work, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We had one session where we didn't actually record anything because we, all we, we did just, was just troubleshoot stuff for about an hour. We just like, tried in all the things. We tried the Skype and the Zoom and the and Bedalgo, I think. And oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I think it came down to on that one that just giving up the remote capabilities and just going with, like you said, recording on each of our ends and. I'm sure that was a nightmare for our, our editor um, uh, on that book, but he made it work. We'll, we'll say his name. It was Andrew Bates, and he did a great job making that work, and that's the one that has all the positive reviews. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, no need to keep your editors anonymous, but uh, that's awesome. So this next bit is really cool, Avon. So you've actually done some live narration on Discord, so which is one of the less commonly known social media platforms. How did that come about? How did that come about? Um, <laughs> I think I saw it on Facebook. I think I saw a post that Kyle made, Kyle Tate made, about um, the narrator's nook. And I joined up, and I saw the light within minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what has the response been like? Oh, oh, I live there now. Like, I am always signed into Discord. I do all of my narration that I'm allowed to do on Discord. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So, so Discord is mostly unrealized potential, I think. Um, the, but the, the potential of it is huge. I mean, narrators using it is relatively new. So right now there's a community of narrators that are regularly using it, and we're all listening to each other, you know? And we, I've learned so, so much. I think I've learned more in the past couple of months on Discord than the previous five years. Um, wow. I, I'm not kidding. It's been incredible to just to listen to all of everybody's different methods and and what I've learned about technique and acting and you know how people approach the technical stuff differently it's just incredible so so right now mostly it's narrators listening to narrators because we haven't had the time or put a lot of energy into 
uh, a listener drive, really, but the potential for listeners is also huge. Like Andrea Parsono um, leads the way on this. She's got a huge fan base that listens to her create the audiobook. Um, they tune in for the process and listeners get really invested, you know, when they can hear part of it um, and they they understand the process. They really gain an appreciation for what it takes, for the effort and the skill um, that's required to create the audiobook. And they, yeah, they really get into it and also appreciate, you know, having the, the inside track, being able to see inside the booth. And of course, none of it is recorded. Um, you're, you, if you, if you're not there for it live, you miss it. Live TV draws the best audience still. <laughs> it's live TV, yes, because you can share voice or you can share voice and video. So you can have a webcam in your booth so people can watch you. Uh, and you can share your screen, too. You can share your DAW. Um, you can show what you're doing live. You can show the punching. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So one question Very. I had on a related note. I know that you've worked with several pseudonyms. Do you narrate on Discord under the pseudonyms or the work that is reserved for the pseudonyms, and do you disclose that when you're narrating on Discord? Well, I disclose that. I mean, other narrators have separate accounts for their pseudonyms, so they'll show up only as their pseudonym. But pseudonyms is among the early mistakes that I made. I do have several, and um, at the time it was kind of recommended, but for instance, for erotica, you know, I didn't want my family and stuff Googling that. (laughs) But... I wouldn't do that now. I, I'm not hiding the fact that I narrate romantica and erotica. I would I would have put it all under one name. But now that I have them, yeah, now that I have them, I'm going to continue to use them because it compartmentalizes the genres, which is fine. So we're nearing the end of our time together today. And I was just curious, what advice would you recommend to someone looking to get into audiobooks now? Don't expect it to be cheap or easy. And (laughs) it's best to follow the recommended path, which is clearly laid out. And uh, yeah, don't expect it to be cheap or easy. It's the hardest thing that I've ever done with the biggest learning curve I've ever done. And it appears to be an endless, infinite learning curve. There will be no done. If you're knee deep in an audiobook, it really does feel like there is no done. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who are wondering what that path is, training, professional equipment, and professional marketing materials and marketing savvy. That's that's all it takes, guys. It's not what everyone wants to hear, but training, equipment, marketing. That's it. Environment. And I, environment. Including it under equipment. But yes, exactly. environment yeah. is number one, I think. So did you mm-hmm. think it was cheap and easy when you started? Because I did. Oh, I think sure. I mentioned oh, here sure. that yeah. I thought it would be the easiest path to quick BO stardom. Yes, yes. And I'm wondering if that's because of some of the the marketing that's out there like do you think companies like acx make it seem like it's easy to jump into or other other quick fixes like fiverr or upwork oh definitely um acx's brand is 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 easy easy matchmaking right easy money easy to get your audiobook produced lies (laughs) 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 well it's just a misrepresentation (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the the disconnect is that it is easy to do. The process is quite simple. If you have an Amazon account, you have an ACX account, and you can have a book listed in about eight minutes. But Mm -hmm. to have it done well is a whole different ballgame. Yes, there's a massive amount of understanding that isn't communicated there. Because it's so easy for an author to list a book like that, there's an implicit perception that everything is going to be easy and that everybody who auditions is a professional and that there's no further work to be done. But there is, in fact, a whole bunch of things that need to happen. So speaking of uh, making things easy, where do you see the future of audiobooks? Do you think companies like ACX will continue to thrive? Do you think things will revert back to the publisher side of the equation? Do you think independent authors and, and publishers will rule the day? Where do you think where do you see the future of the industry both for you and as a whole? Oh, well, I don't, I'm not a seer on this. Um, I would guess that eventually there will be a plateau in the explosion of audiobooks, um, but I don't see it anytime soon. It, right now, we're very much in growth, right? The industry is in growth. There's an almost unlimited amount of work available for anybody who can do the job. It's all fantastic. Someday, that's got a plateau, just statistically. And as far as myself, I'm here for the long haul. This is my home. I This is the best and most favoritest thing I've done and in spite of the challenge. Maybe and partly because of the challenge, because it's endlessly stimulating and interesting. Um, but, I, yeah, I, this, is, this is my place. I'm really happy in it. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your happy place with us, and we wish you nothing but the best in your continued success, Avon. Thank you. Before we go, where can people find you to hire you to do their book? Avonshore.com. And that's... A-V-E-N, shore.com. I was going to do that for you, but thank you. Okay. Hey, Sean, what's a vocal booth? Uh, it's an acoustically treated space to record voiceover, sing, or practice music. Okay, so then what's a vocal booth to go? An acoustically treated space to eat a cheeseburger and fries? No, of course not. Vocal Booth to Go's patented acoustic blankets, noise mitigation products, and portable booths are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. They're often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. Oh, I have it now. Actually, I've always had it. I've used Vocal Booth to Go's products for years, and I can't recommend them enough. Vocal Booth to Go. We make your environment quieter for less. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. 
So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. All right, thanks to Avon for coming on the podcast. I don't think Ava would mind me saying that she was a bit nervous, but I think she did fantastic. Definitely had some, <laughs> definitely had some nuggets to offer, some words of wisdom, and we really appreciate her opinion. She certainly had no reason to be. She's very knowledgeable and very, very charismatic. Yeah, great to work with too. But that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. Next time we have actor, or we have voice actor, film actor, and TV actor Keston John, who I'm very happy to introduce to you guys because he happens to be the voice of one of my favorite animated characters, Hordak from the new Shira Princesses of Power. So I'm really stoked about that episode. And he's got some amazing nuggets about how to pursue a creative career, whether it be film acting, TV, voiceover, or whatever. And then following that, we are once again the official podcast of Mavo the Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver Conference. This year is called Mini Mavo because it has been moved to a virtual platform. And we'll be doing some interviews with the presenters and some live interviews during the weekend, just like we did with One Voice and Evocation. So look forward to that. All right. Well, I can't wait for those. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. 